you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we discuss the area north of the Rust Wash, battle a new and very large machine at the Rock Quarry, and start working on side quests around Meridian. Welcome to episode 13 of Lightkeeper Protocol. to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. Yes, and I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thanks again for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. We hope that you're enjoying the show, and uh, I'm pretty sure you are enjoying the game because it's awesome. Uh, if you like to talk about the game or the show, uh, we'd love to have you join our Discord, which is mash.gg slash Discord. You can find us in the Horizon channels, and we do have a spoiler channel there, too, so if you want to talk some spoiler stuff, you can do the, do that, but please make sure you do it in the right channel. But like I said, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the game and the show. All right, so just a quick recap of what we talked about last episode. Uh, we went to Maker's End thanks to the information that Owen gave us. Uh, we fought through the Eclipse excavation sites because, of course, they were there. And uh, we saw the Deathbringer. We actually fought the Deathbringer. And that was that machine that Owen warned us about. But thankfully, it was like only at half health and stuck in the ground. So that was very helpful. Uh, we made our way into Pharaoh Automated Systems and found out that it was gr- ground zero for the event that actually destroyed the old ones. Uh, we found out who's been hacking our focus. His name is Silence, and we will hear plenty from him. In the coming episodes, I, I do promise you that. And we also found out that Project Zero Dawn was supposed to save humanity. And I guess it did save humanity, but we don't know what Project Zero Dawn actually is. Uh, but we know that Farrell made it seem like it was pretty extreme. So, uh, yeah, we, we, that's one thing we're looking forward to finding out. But you know when we're not going to find that out? It's this episode. Because on this episode... We are going to be talking, uh, I guess, more about the areas and talking about side quests. Like we're going to talk about, you know, what's going, what, you know, that area that Maker's End was in. Uh, there was a few uh, places up there to visit uh, or kill things. I'm not going to say visit like it was a tourist spot, you know. <laughs> um, and then we're also going to talk about some of the side quests in Meridian. Okay, so let's start with the the north of the Rust Watch. Like this area at least by the maps that I've seen, doesn't really have a name unless you just want to call it Maker's End. But to me, Maker's End is just that facility. Like you go into Maker's End, you come out of Maker's End, and then you have this area that's just north of the Rust Wash, as they would call it. I feel um, like it should have a different name. It's snowy. Every yeah. <laughs> different element has a name, so. Yeah, every different area. Like, this kind of looks like, I mean, uh, what do you call, what is the name of the actual Christmas tree? That's a, that's a, that's a type of tree. Like a it's not pine called tree? a Christmas tree. Is that a pine tree? Christmas trees are pine trees? Are they not? I've never had a real Christmas tree before. No, it's like, a, it's something else. Like, it's called a, oh, apparently there's 16 types of Christmas trees. 
And it, is uh, Pine Tree one of them? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think Pine Trees are a type of Christmas tree. Well. Yeah. Yeah, they're like fir, F-I-R. Am I saying that correctly? Some cri- yeah, Christmas fir. officiato, please. Fir trees, noble fir, Douglas fir, balsam fir, razor fir. Those are, like, I would say those are the type of trees that you see up there. Kind of? Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. <You> know. <laughs> Listen, I just said pine pine trees instead of firs, so Yeah, look, I'm not I'm not a huge Christmas person either. But <laughs> hey, hey, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I just opened up my video and the first two thing I two uh, two things I see is uh, two trees ready for ornaments, you know. So <laughs> that's, that's those are the type of trees that were up there. Let me go back a little further. Yeah, snowy mountains and then the, yeah, oh yeah. Those are types of those are type of trees. Yep, I'm gonna go with that. It's Christmas town. It's Christmas Town. There we go. That we just named that area. That area is now called Christmas Town. So I'll get, give the name and rights to Christina. Either way, so now Christmas Town. Christmas Town has a vantage point, a corruption zone, and a bandit camp. Um, that bandit camp. Like, I guess I'll start with that because there's really nothing to talk about too much there. It's a pretty small bandit camp. It's easy to get in. It's not that many enemies. Like the. I guess they consider a part of it the front of it because that's almost where everybody is. And then you just walk around the side and to the back and there's just two people sitting down not doing anything. Yeah, I just, it was so easy. I just took people out, got the prisoners, took more people out, destroyed the alarm. That place had prisoners? I didn't even know. Yeah. I guess every bandit camp has prisoners because I got around, I went around the back. I killed the two people. You know, and this place has like a, um, it's more vertical than others because it goes up. Like everything is surrounding this like broken down building and it goes up. So I go up into the building. When you look down into the building, there's a skull enemy there. I popped a couple arrows into him. He died. I come down, I pick up his gun and then I just spray everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) It was the easiest of all the, the bandit camps. I'm not seeing a lot of effort here. <laughs> yeah, I killed him when there was like three people left. I had, um, you know, three NPCs with me, so I wasn't really worried about him? being seen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, no, like it was just super easy. Like once I had that gun, like those the enemies just fall like, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's this wasn't nothing to write home about. Um, I thought the vantage point was interesting, though, at least. Uh, because the vantage point is actually a pocket shit storm day one. It's day one of the tour. And it shows a picture of what Maker's End looked like before, you know, the event. Or because we still haven't figured it. Well, actually, we know what happened. And I guess it happened over time where the machines just stripped the earth bare. Uh, and then it, like you know, just it, it's been like 970 something years since it happened. Uh, you know, so that building, you know, just fell apart. But yeah, we get a picture to see what Faro Automated Solutions actually look like, and uh, he's the one that actually called it Ground Zero, and he said um, it was Ground Zero, and it, I think he said everything went downhill from there. First, his career, and then everything else. Literally, that's what he says. So when we do the episode where we cover all of the the vantage points and we get that overall story like you know we'll we'll talk about what he says more in depth there uh but um yeah other than that there's that corruption zone which has the two ravagers and the one bellow back how'd that go for you easy because 
So what I've noticed with corruption zones, when they have the big enemies like that, they don't put the grass down anymore. They're like, you're you're a big kid now. You're going to do this on your own. Um, so there's like a little spot that has like a rock and like a bunch of trees. And I just kind of put a bunch of like traps, traps up, up there. there. Okay. Call them over. Um, I ran away. So what I did is I called them over, ran away, got the guns off their backs. They went back to neutral and then just picked up one gun killed like two enemies and then picked up the second gun and killed like you know took the rest of the damage off of what i couldn't do on the first right yeah my usual strategy is to knock the guns off of them early Mm -hmm. and then they get them to fight me but in this case i didn't because the thing i was i kind of noticed about them uh is that they jump around a lot and they move around really fast and what they were doing is they were spreading the corruption around the area really fast so I was actually fighting in that area. So I didn't shoot the guns off of them so that they stayed away from me. And the fact oh. that they're the fact that they're already weak to fire and I'm the corruption is even weaker to fire. I just used the fire arrows and I burned them down. Then once I killed them, because the fire bellow back, like all you have to do is avoid their volleys and you're mm-hmm. good to go. And then once they, I actually burned them down, once they actually died, then I went and picked up their gun and killed the fire bell back. And that was it. Yeah. So. The thing about the corruption zones that I've noticed is if you walk far enough back, they'll reset. So I yes. kind of cheated a bit and got the guns off and then kind of ran away and came back. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I definitely have to use that strategy for a corruption zone that we'll probably be talking about in a couple episodes. but it's one. I don't know if this is a it's not really a spoiler because as you're getting close to the area you can hear them and you can see them they're above ground but there are two rock breakers above ground and and, uh, if you don't know what a rock breaker is I don't know you might want to pause this episode and go play the game a little bit more (laughs) because we're actually (laughs) going to be talking about a side quest dealing with a with a rock breaker here in a minute yeah I saw that corruption zone I think on the way to one of the MSQ points MSQ, sorry, I'm not playing Final Fantasy. This means this is abbreviated. Uh I saw them from a distance up high and I was like, not today. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a viable strategy. Hey, if you get the corruption zone done, you won. It doesn't matter how you did it. Period. So but uh yeah, so yeah, I mean that's what's in that area. Uh there are a couple data points that we're gonna end up talking about later, not now. Uh, that you can also pick up but yeah i mean there's a couple things to do up there you should be done it, it's you don't spend too much time up there i do know there's also a there's one of those metal flowers up there too where you you well, but you have to fight like getting to it's a bit of a pain but you also have to fight some glint hawks up there and it's a very small space i think okay i'm trying to think of the area but i think i got it and i avoided all of the enemies how did you avoid the gunhawks they literally perched like right next to it unless you just went grabbed it and ran maybe i'm thinking of a different one but that's possible too i probably some of these iron flowers they're in such or iron metal flowers are in such weird spots i'll grab them and then teleport away <laughs> really wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow uh, all that tough talk about the corruption zone. Oh, it was easy. Oh, yeah, the metal flowers. I grabbed the flower and I teleported away. <laughs> easy. Oh, man. Okay. 
That's fine. I'm not going to bust your chops too much for that. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I said, you don't stay in that area for too long. Um, but we're, we're going to move on to a quest that actually is outside of Meridian. Technically speaking, technically speaking, you might consider this quest in the Gatelands. Uh, if you, if you, in this area, this, this quest bought on the stone happens in the rock quarry outside of Meridian. So if you go out the main Meridian gate while you're in Meridian and just keep going straight, once you get off the bridge and you go up, I, I, I kind of want to call them steps, but they're not really steps. And you just go straight a little bit. The rock quarry is right there. I, I think most people just run into it on their way. Like actually, I wonder if it's the main path. Like if you come, come from day tower and you just follow the path. If that's the way that they take you through. Oh, I, I didn't go that way. I totally missed this quest. I had to go out and find it because I mm. I went from below Meridian. I went the weirdest way. I did not follow the path. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And if you go from below Meridian, there is a rock path that gets you from down up to down if you can't take the elevator. Uh, so, but this, no, I, I came, I forget where. I did ride past this though for sure because I... Yeah, I rode past it for sure. I just can't remember. I know. I just can't remember what I was doing right before that. But I'm pretty sure that happened the same exact way before when I played the game the first time. Maybe if I feel like if I didn't go out and look for it though, on the way to, um, Olin, when you're doing his part of the main story quest, you might run through it possibly. Hmm. Maybe because yeah, Olin's quest is I think in that. Well, maybe. Just a little northeast of that area, I think. Right. Well, either way, run into this quest. And I highly suggest that you do this quest because it introduces you to a, a new enemy that you have never seen before. Um, and it, it's it's a rare enemy on top of that. So, you, you know, uh, once you get to the rock quarry... Uh, you see this foreman. Well, actually, I guess he's just a guy. You don't know he's a foreman yet. But you see the foreman... And he is uh, trying to figure out who slaughtered his men. So he sees, tells Aloy that his five guards from last night were shredded like cabbage in the quarry. And he believes it was done by other people, not machines, because the quarry is, is fended in, you know, it's fenced in and it's uh, gated off. And he, uh, Aloy, I, she, I think she asks him, does she know that he notice anything out of the ordinary in the quarry? And he's like, oh, yeah, the body's blushing, you know, gushing blood. Like, that's what I noticed was, was weird to quarry. Um, he did mention that another quarry worker mentioned that there was a pile of rocks that out there that he didn't remember from the other day. And the former's like, we move rocks all day long. Like, that's all we do. We, you know, it's, it's not surprising. So, uh, but Aloy, she goes to take a look. <laughs> and I think there's two objectives. At the bottom. I think there's two objectives at the bottom. You could go look at a pile of rocks. Or you can go look at something else. Like maybe it was, is it like a barrel of explosives? Like yeah, the barrels of explosives. Yes. Right. But if you go to take a look at the, uh, uh, the, the mound or the, the, the rocks. Um, and this is, this is the, the rocks that the guy didn't remember. Right. Um, and I think the former's name is Saravad. Or maybe the guy who mentioned his name was Saravad. That's when the rock breaker appears. So, like, what was your reaction to seeing this machine, Christina? 
my reaction is when how do they not notice? Because if it's moving underground, like it's going to cr- cause like tremors or something. Like they're just oblivious to it. Um, but remember, they're blowing stuff up all day long. They could just figure that there's another. It's just another explosion. I guess. Two. I don't know how it. I was like, how has this thing not come out before in the daylight? Like, I just happen to look at these rocks, and it, there's all of these people blowing things up, and I'm the one it has to attack. Um, and three. Oh crap! I did not prepare at all. I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah, like it's. It's tough because I think it's even tough to get a read on them. Like if you turn on your focus, like they're, they're not just a big machine. They are, they are active too. They don't sit around for a long period of time. They pop up out the ground. They pop back into the ground. They're usually moving toward you, <laughs> you know? So it's hard to like turn your focus on and then not only have time for it to focus on an on a part so you can read it, but just taking the time to read what it is and what it's weak to and, you know, you know, stuff like that. Rock breakers are easily the hardest machine to fight in the game, I will say. Because even if you try to tie it down with a rope caster, it just goes underground. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference at all. So, I mean, they burrow underground and, like, they do so, like, very frequently. Um, a lot of their attacks come from underground. Like, they'll chase you while underground and then just pop up where you are. And when they hit you, it hurts like on hard. So uh, I mentioned earlier, there's a corrupted zone with two rock breakers. If they do their dive attack on you, like a corrupted rock breaker, you can have, I had full health, full armor, like the, with the armor potion, one shot me doing the, this dive attack where they go underground next to you or, or on top of you. Like, so they're super powerful. It's not always easy to determine the moment they're going to pop up. And, uh, you know, going underground sometimes makes it hard to get a status on them, right? Like, it's hard to get the freeze on them sometimes because you're, you, they're just popping up and popping down, popping up and popping down. So, you got to wait your turn. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then if you do get a status on them, they might be underground for so long that, like, it's halfway gone by the time they come up. So, uh, yeah, they can also spit rocks directly at you. They can spit rocks into the air. They're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one you're going for. Awesome. Yeah, they're clearly some type of burrowing machine, right? That's what they they do. Uh, You can destroy their claws so that they can't burrow. But they got more than two claws, man. (laughs) Like, they have a bunch of claws on each side of their body. So, I've only been able to do that successfully one time. And honestly, I feel like if you do that, you could have... You could have uh, spent that time more so on their weak points because they do, they do have a weak point on their back. And especially if you get them frozen, it'll do a bunch of damage at one time. Uh, they have, uh, I guess they're fueled by Blaze and they have a Blaze container on their belly. But man, shooting that thing really felt like... <laughs> Like it, like it wasn't gonna break. Like I just kept hitting it. And I was making the noise, making the noise, making the noise, and eventually it started like maybe spitting fire out a little bit. But by the time I ki- like I killed it before the thing exploded. I I tried to freeze it, and that thing kept happening. It kept going underground, and by the time it came up, like the frost was gone or whatever. And I tried to put down traps, but because it's always on me, like it's not hitting anything. Yeah, I did run out of 
blaze in that fight too, like towards the end. So I actually got its claws off and it was just waddling around on the top on the surface. Um, and I'm that glad was, I, that, must have been a, that must have been a long fight. It was a, it was a, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. This was the first big fight that I did on my own actually, because before then the big fights that I did had some kind of like guards or the thing was like half dead or something. Cause I right. did this fight, this uh, quest basically as soon as I got to Meridian. So before this, the main story quest we just did. Right. Yeah. I mean, it can, I think it's cause you're just not prepared for it at all. Mm-mm. There's no real hints to what is going to happen. Even the first time you see a thunder jaw, you're going to see it in the distance. You're going to see that thunder jaw in the distance. Yep. So, yeah, like it's like this it just pops about the ground and you really start fighting and you have no way to really prepare for it. All the big thunderjaw, stormbirds, uh behemoths, you see them as you're coming up to them for the first time. And this one it just pops up like, "Hey, let's fight." You know, and that's pretty much the end of it. And unless you find the corrupted zone first, which I would not recommend <laughs> because the corrupted zone is even is that much harder. The corrupted zone. I even I just stopped shooting at the the blaze container. I just stopped shooting at it because it was pointless. It wasn't going to break at all. <laughs> so I, I I just stopped. Um, yeah, like the the good thing about this is that the quarry is 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 sizable. Like it is a big area to run around, and that's really what you got to do while you're trying to figure out what actually to do against this this massive thing. So. And I'm pretty sure, like, I think I think there's only three rock breakers in the game. I think. I can't remember if there's one in the Frozen Wilds. I, I wish so. there was another one that I could fight before the Corrupted Zone. So that way I could get just a little bit more experience on what to do and what situation with those things. But, nope. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't think there is... A place to fight like, where you can just go fight rock breakers. To be honest with you, I I don't recall seeing a rock breaker um, site on, on the map at all. I don't even know if it has a symbol for it. To be honest with you, so but yeah, this is this is the quest. This is the one that it teaches you. Here's a rock breaker. This is how you fight it. It's a big deal. And because <laughs> you know? of that quest, anytime I see anything that might be signs of an ambush or like a big enemy popping up like if the, if it's like go investigate this thing in the middle of a field i set up so many traps because i have right. the ability to pick them back up now um so if it doesn't happen i'm good but yeah i uh i set traps for like everything now yeah i got you paranoid yep yeah well better be prepared than not so um yeah after you defeat the rock breaker you go talk to the foreman again he says he's never seen a machine like that and then it gives you a reward. Like, at least I know wh- wh- why my men turned into cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that is the end of Blood on the Stone. But like I said, that, that is an early, I think the level on that quest isn't even that high, to be honest with you. Compared to what you're probably now, like, after going into Meridian, after dealing with Owen, after going to Maker's End, after, you know, uh, fighting off the Asaram, you should have a couple extra levels on you. If you did, if you missed it, so definitely check it out. Um, next, we're gonna close this loop on Olin. We're actually gonna uh, do his errand, which uh, is called Collateral, and this is actually 
closer to the jewel. It's actually in the spur flints. But I just wanted to kind of close the loop on Owen so we could be done with him in, in this game. Uh, like, who knows if he shows up in the Oh, actually, I don't know if he's going to show up in the next game because some people had the opportunity to kill him. Some people didn't. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, you meet Owen and Spur Flints, and he tells Aloy, um, Aloy tells him that she, uh, that she saw the message from Helis, the one where he you know, kidnapped his family. So uh, she knows that, you know, he has a wife and a young boy and Owen again thanks her for his kindness. And, you know, he's like, oh, they're at this farmstead nearby, which apparently did not belong to the Eclipse. The Eclipse killed some people and took the farmstead. Um, and once you get closer, he tells you about the guards. I think there are about eight guards there. And uh, he tells you about the, the there's a few ways to get in. You can go through the front. You can use the sides. You can get on top of the ridge. You can even have him come with you. You go alone. Now, I went alone. What did you do? Did you bring him so, with? I brought him with me. <laughs> that, that was a mistake because I was like, yeah, why would I do this alone? Come on, come with me. And I'm used to NPCs going with you and just waiting until somebody's alerted. No. Right. He just, you know, moseys on up to the front, just like walks on up there like, yo, what's up? I'm here. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? So I had no advantage at all in this fight. I just had to start fighting because he just walked in the front gate. Like I was still sitting at the rock watching him running to the front gate. Well, he did it awesome, Rom style. Well, he does tell you one of the ways he will not go because he's too he's too big. He tells you that. I, yeah, he did say we can just go through the front gate. And I was like, cool. I figured we would go through the front, <laughs> but I didn't think it would be like right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. He, he, yeah. No. Okay. I think you just misunderstood the situation. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, no, I, I went alone because I couldn't remember if something that I, I, I think maybe I can't remember if I took him last time with me or not. We're talking about 2017, folks. That's ages away, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was even though it's it's a super easy thing to do. Like I just sniped everybody. There wasn't one enemy with a skull. He has a gun. You put a couple extra arrows in him. He's done. Uh, but after you kill the enemies, uh, you'll need. The, one of them has a key on on them. So you get the seller key, and Olin's family's inside. Now, when you went inside, you went and went in with Olin. I imagine. Yes. Yeah. How'd that go? Because I didn't have him with me. You got to keep that in mind. It, I thought the whole thing was really funny because he just he just walk in. And he's like, "Oh, my family, they're safe." That's that's it. And then he has a little conversation with Olin and his wife. Ah, uh, yeah. So I go out in there. His family's inside, and I meet his wife, and we have like a, a little bit of dialogue. The funny thing that I thought about the dialogue was she was like, oh, "I thought about a bunch of different ways to escape, but." None of them would have been safe for him, for her son. And I, I was like, man, she's probably like, man, if I didn't have this little with me, you know, <laughs> I'd be out of this place, <laughs> you know. But no, nah, he, he's here. So, uh, but you do get back outside, and I like, well, like I said, Olin was waiting outside, so I reunited him with his family. I heard the fighting stop. Olin, you brought him back to us. Thank you. There's no need to thank me. I have much to confess. I accepted a devil's bargain, and others paid the price. And you think I don't know? I heard them talk. You know there's always been dirt on my hands. 
Now there's blood too. Take your son up in those hands. Come back to the claim with us. You should listen to your wife, Owen. But Hedis, and his demons. I am honor-bound to help you, Aloy, with what little honor a Dyson like me has. Olin, whatever your debts, you don't owe them to me now. Go with your family. Show them you're a better man. Farewell, Aloy. Your mother. I hope you find her before they do. And so Olin, he confesses what he did to his wife. Or what to his wife, what he did, not what he did to his wife. Uh, but she already knew. She knew already because she heard the guards talk. But she really doesn't care. <laughs> She's like, uh, like, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. She wants Olin to go back to the claim with them. That's what she wants. She wants Olin. She basically just wants her family back. And uh, Aloy agrees. And he's like, oh, no, I'm honor bound to you. Like, I need to help you. And she's like, you don't owe me anything. Show your family you're a better man. Go back. And then uh, Owen thanks Aloy and says she hope he hopes that she finds her mother before the eclipse does. So now I'm curious what happens, uh, what the, the conversation that happens when you've killed Owen. <laughs> like, I killed your husband. Like, he ain't coming back to the claim. <laughs> How's that I, conversation go? I went, well, Aloy would admit it because it's Aloy. Um, I don't know. She probably says something along the lines of he had to pay for the things he did. Who knows? Right. Yeah. So, but then you got a Red Dead Redemption uh, storyline there with the kid. The kid hears it. I <laughs> so. didn't play Red Dead. Sorry. Wow. That oh, because that's how Red Dead 2. Okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, but that's that's the end of, well, I guess maybe if you killed Owen before, uh, that was the end of his story, technically speaking. But if you didn't kill Owen, or this is just the end of the storyline altogether with you saving his family. Right? So... Owen had a happy ending in mine. Um, he had a happy ending in yours as well, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So, All good. His yeah. family's safe. Yep. So that's collateral. I'll be curious to see if he does show up in the next game because then th- that means the way we did it was canon, right? So versus killing him. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, talk robbing the rich, which is probably one of the first side quests you get from Meridian. It just like I think like you know because when you come out of Olin's house, I think one of the the closest side quests is robbing the rich. I the only think thing that's so, closer yeah. is a merchant. Yeah, the only thing that's closer is a merchant. So uh, you talk to a man named Revan or Raven, and he needs your help to get a sword back that was stolen from him. You're the one the Vanguard has been crowing about. The Nora who tracks criminals and traitors with her second sight. If only you'd use it to help me. A thief raided my home and took my brother's sword. Tell me about the robbery. Don't leave anything out. It was brazen and professional. They took only the sword, my most valuable possession. The thief went out through the window and scared the shadow off my steward. Otherwise, it would have been a clean getaway. Why would someone steal the sword? It's priceless. Made from the burnished antler of a lancehorn, finely inlaid with studded stones all down the... Uh, Okay, I get it. Forgive me. That's not even why it's important. The Twelfth Sun King gave it to my brother for his military service. He was killed in battle during the liberation. I was saving it for my nephew who stranded at Sunfall with the Karja in shadow. How did your nephew wind up in Sunfall? Most of the old clergy backed the Mad Sun King. So when he fell, 
They ran out of fear of retribution. As an honor guard to a venerable priest, my nephew had no choice but to go with them. Now that my brother is gone, my nephew is my heir. So that sword really belongs to him. And after all he's been through, I won't be able to look him in the face if I don't get it back. I'll see what I can do about the robbery. Have a word with my steward if you need to. He saw the thief escape. And listen, all I want is the sword back. Meridian, and my family for that matter, has seen enough strife already. If I can get it back, all is forgiven. No retribution necessary. He's like, this, 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 this thing was a job, right? You know, this was brazen and professional. Those are his words that he used about his sword getting stolen. He says only the sword was taken. And he said the sword was valuable because it was given to his brother by the 12th Sun King. Uh, this is, I think, I'm pretty sure that's before the Mad Sun King. I think Jaron was the 13th and Avada's the 14th, I think. That sounds right, but I'm really bad with numbers. <laughs> so uh, his brother was actually killed during the liberation and he wanted to give it to his nephew, but his nephew is at Sunfall and he says he wants to give it to his nephew when he comes back eventually. And, you know, as we discussed, I, I think we've discussed it already, but Sunfall is uh, where the car shadow card will push to. And actually in this quest, something I can get too ahead of myself because in this quest, I think you learn a bit more detail on that. So, but either way, his, his nephew's at Sunfall and he's, he wants to get the sword back so he can give it to his nephew. And he says that his steward saw the thief and he says he just wants the sword back. No harm, no foul. He doesn't want to like, you know, get anybody in trouble or nothing like that. He just wants the sword back. So, um, he says that the, uh, so like I said, he said the, 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 the steward saw the thief. I thought that was going to be like a, a way to kind of, uh, to 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 you know get the the steward involved right mm -hmm. like you know like I, I talk to the steward he has shifty eyes <laughs> you know and uh, <laughs> like then, la noir up in here yeah exactly and then you know maybe he's stuttering maybe he's like you know there's something that you can kind of uh kind of like figure out that he's he's lying you know he you know how Aloy does a thing it doesn't sound like you're telling the truth to me <laughs> you know so <laughs> that's what i thought was gonna happen but it didn't you talk to the steward, and he's like, he didn't have any information. He was like, I saw the thief come through the window, and it scared me half to death. You know, I was like, oh, well, you're going to be useless. You know? So I guess the one thing, like, I don't know. They could have just added this onto the conversation with with the Ravon himself. Uh, because, like, I think the only reason, like, when you talk to the steward, and he's like, oh, yeah, he came through the window. Aloy checks the window, sees that there's blood on the window, and is like, oh, the thief cut himself. And then she uses the focus, and then she follows the blood drops. That's what she does. She follows the trail of blood. So, like I said, they could have added that based off of the conversation with the first guy. I'm, I'm pretty sure the first guy even said he busted the window or something. Yeah, I mean, but it'd be weird. I don't know. I feel like maybe they thought, why would he be outside? It would be really weird if he's just standing outside. Oh, he so could see added. that the thief went through the window by the fact that the window got busted. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. He didn't have to be standing outside when the true. thief came through the window. Very so, true. Uh, yeah, but the 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 trail of blood it leads to this merchant's booth, and Aloy talks to the to the merchant, and the merchant says, "Well, Aloy says, hey, the bandit ran through here," and the merchant's like, "Yeah, he grabbed some of my cloth, you know, because that, that's what because that's what happened. The trail of blood stops." And she's like, oh, he must have grabbed some cloth and healed himself or not, you know, bandaged himself. And the merchant seemed kind of upset. 
saying, oh, the cloth was expensive, and he just used it to 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 stop himself from bleeding. So the merchant kind of made it seem like, uh, you know, he stole from me. So uh, Aloy, she, you know, I think the merchant points him at her in a direction, and Aloy goes in that direction, and uh, she runs into another witness, and the witness is like, yeah, she saw him, but there was no sword. And then he went down the lift. Uh, coach, I, what, I'm trying to think exactly what she said. She said something like his, he was running like his pants were on fire or something like that. So it was very noticeable. Uh, but Aloy, you know, she quickly deduces that he stashed the sword somewhere. And she's like that, uh, you know, merchant would have been a great place to stash the sword. So Aloy goes back and uh, talks to the merchant and the merchant's like, oh, I don't have anything to do with it. And then Aloy threatens to get the guard involved. And all of a sudden, the merchant changes her tune. And she's like, oh, you have a reputation for shining light in the darkness, which I felt was a little rushed. Mm-hmm. Because we kind of just got there. <laughs> you know? That's what I felt was a little rushed. We just, we just got there. But I guess, technically speaking, you can do this side quest at any point after you unlock right. Radian. Yeah, I was going to say, because... If you do it when you first get there, like, yeah, it's a little weird. But if you do it like where we are right now in the story, it it feels a little bit more in line. Yeah. So she had admitted that the sword was passed to her, but she passes somebody else. And she says, oh, it won't be sold for profit. It'll be it'll be sold for shards and the shards will go to people in need. And Aloy doesn't believe her, but she says she can prove it. And she says to go meet her friend at the watermill in the lower village and they'll explain everything. And I'm like, yeah, you just ratted out your boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you know, you don't know me. You just know my reputation. You know, everybody you in watched the, the boys. Yeah. <laughs> everybody in the chain. She knows who everyone is now. Right. Yeah. So you go down to the watermill. Uh, well, actually you got to take the elevator and I don't know, maybe I was expecting like the mass effect treatment where the elevators don't take as long. <laughs> <laughs> the games like but that did not happen because they definitely make you wait for that elevator to come up and they go back down they i was jumping did. i was jumping on it and i was like maybe if i jump it'll go down faster <laughs> yeah which i mean i understand especially like ps4 2017 they need to they need to load the environment down there and that's why it's taking so long that's what how these things work but that was also the same thing with like the first Mass Effect and those super long elevator rides that you have to take. But then if you play Legendary Edition, you only need to wait for the dialogue to finish. As soon as the dialogue finishes, boom, the elevator is where it needs to be. So did, when you were going down the elevator, did it do that weird weird head, uh, hair thing where her hair stands up as the elevator goes down, but you're not moving that fast? Um, I I feel like... I- I've seen that in a few situations, but maybe not there. I did see her hair moving weirdly somewhere else, but I don't think it was in the elevator. Uh, then my, I've only actually seen it in the elevator. So, but, uh, but yeah, you go down to the Meridian Village. This will probably be your first time going down there because other than that, th- there hasn't been a reason to go down to the Meridian Village. And uh, you, talk, you go to the watermill and you talk to Kindiv. I was told to expect you, Aloy. I suppose you want answers. Well, it's not complicated. We collect valuable objects from people who don't need them, sell them for shards, and use the money to help the needy at Sunfall. You mean you steal 
If you want to call it that. From hogs who've had their turn at the trough for generations. Ravon didn't seem like a hog to me. He stinks just like the rest of them. Of wealth and contentment. While people beneath him suffer. Who exactly gets the shards at Sunfall? Not the bastards in the fortress. We use the shards to make sure the poor in Shadowside get to eat. Or bandage their wounds. They only went west because they had to. Trust me, I know. My wife was chained up with a bunch of servants and herded with them. They starved to death, still bound together. I'm... I'm sorry. So am I. Where's the sword now? Safe. I haven't sold it yet. What do you expect me to do now? Walk away? I was hoping you'd help us. They say you can track like a stalker. Well, my partner Nassan disappeared near the branded shore. He was bound for Sunfall, along with an entire shipment of food. If you found that, you'd be helping a lot of people. I'll consider it. But only if you return the sword to Ravon. I knew you were gonna say that. Fine, I'll return the damn blade. Nassan was supposed to meet his contact at an old campfire on the fork near the branded shore. Start looking there. But be careful. Lots of machines out there, and lots of Shadow Karja. And not the needy kind, but they're tormentors. So he says he was expecting you, and I'm like, how? How are you guys getting messages that fast? I came right there. <laughs> yeah, know? that's something that they do a lot, I feel like, where they're like, yeah, I'll message, I'll let them know that you're on your way. I'm like, how? A bird? Yeah. A goose? <laughs> yeah, so he was expecting us. And um, he says that they collect valuable objects and sell them for shards. So you can read that as stealing them and uh he's like, you know it's a robin hood type deal right they they justify it because they say oh they're stealing from hogs and these people haven't cared about the other people in meridian for yada 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 and so they, they said that the, the shards go to sunfall but not to like the nobles and stuff because we know a lot of the nobles went there it goes to the sh the poor people in shadow side which is the the slums of shadow of sunfall and they go there for like uh, they they send them like shards for food and other supplies, or or I think they use the shards to buy food and other supplies. That's what they do. And uh, you know, he says a lot of those people in Shadowside only went west because they had to. So his wife was actually one of them. Like I guess his wife um, was a servant for a noble or worked for a noble. And when they went to when the nobles were getting pushed to Sunfall. She was chained up and forced to go out there with other servants, and uh, all of, uh, the wife and all the servants ended up starving to death. So that's what made him kind of uh, want to do this. So Aloy strikes a deal with him and says, "Look, uh, oh yeah, he, he, I think he, well, Aloy would just want him to give back the the sword, but you know, he's like, you know, we ha I have a partner out there. His name's the Son. He disappeared." near the branded shore, I believe. And, uh, you know, could you go out there and find him? And she's like, yes, but only if you return the sword. So he agrees. I'm just glad that it didn't give an option on saying return the sword or like you can keep it because I felt like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want them to keep it anyway. This guy just rubbed me the wrong way. I did not like this dude. I hated him so much. I'm like, bro, you got to give that sword back. Like, stop. It's the voice, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. The voice really wasn't doing it for me. It, it, he seems like kind of annoying. So, no, I, I totally get that. So, um, 
But yeah, I mean, Aloy, she, uh, you know, this is actually, is this in the Rust Wash or it's close to the Rust Wash? It's north. It's in a desert type of area, but you do find, it's actually not that far from where you were with, uh, oh, Aaron. Yeah. It's not that far from there. Yeah, because I actually um, continued this quest by going to a campfire to get to Aaron. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, actually, yeah, it's, it's not that far from there. And uh, you find the supply cart. The, the, the cart's empty. Uh, it's actually in the cleft. That's where you find it, I believe. And uh, you can see that there was a scuffle, but nobody was found. So she uses her focus and she finds track that lead, tracks that lead to a Shadow Karja outpost. And, I mean, if you want to, you could just be, you know, big and bad and you could go through the front door. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of enemies you have to fight, but, I mean, you're Aloy, right? You're the hero here. If you want to chop some people down, you can. Uh, but uh, th- this place, like, it actually, it feels built for you to infiltrate. This is, in my opinion, one of the better designed outposts in the game. Yeah, it was it was easy to kind of go around and take people out silently. And I didn't even have to take everyone out either. I took out the left side and then I climbed up to the top to get to the back part. There are still people on the right side and I was like, they don't matter. I just need to get in and get out. Right, exactly. Yeah, you don't. It's very like I think like I actually ended up killing everybody there just because, you know, I like to be thorough. That's all. Um, so I ended up killing everybody there and I, at that point I could have just went straight into the, um, the back part, but I, I didn't, I actually ended up, uh, if you stayed on the left side, like you were talking about, you have those rock masses you can hop across and then climb up and then get inside. I actually went up there anyway, so that the fight didn't start immediately. Because uh, once you're up there, you can actually, you know, once you're up there, you can actually kill the first two guys without really being noticed. Um, and then you have a group of three that are close to Nassan, uh, which when you go in there, they're talking to him and uh, the shadow, the officer who's interrogating him is like, uh, what were you doing at the fork? You know, and his reply was he was having a picnic with his mother. Like the office's mother. It was, it was your mother joke. So he was like, I, haven't, I was having a picnic with your mother. And um, I think one of the other guys is like, oh, he's trying to insult you. And he's like, oh, like, I forget what exactly the exact words he says. I think he says, oh, I think he's going to be a disappointed because my mother loves a good picnic. That was his reply to the other guy. <laughs> Did you catch that? <laughs> I heard the the mother part. I was like, are they throwing mom jokes out here? But I didn't catch the whole thing. So I caught like halfway through and it clicked and I was like, wait a second, what is happening? Yeah, that's what the thing. He was like, yeah, my mom loves a good picnic. Yeah, <laughs> I know, think that's what I heard. I think he said, him. well, my mother loves a good picnic. And then, then they carried on with the rest of the conversation. I was like, what did I just hear? <laughs> yeah, so it was a little funny. But I mean, they're easy enough to kill. When you, when you I mean, they're humans. Humans are ki- easy to kill in this game. Uh, I, I'm curious if they're going to do something about that to make it more difficult in the next one. But when the officer is the only one that can even provide any bit of a challenge because he picks up a gun, but the other two just shoot in the face with an arrow and boom, they're dead. And then, I mean, you just really have to dodge 
the bullets. I mean, it, the the environment is destructible. Like if he shoots something for too long, it will break. So you can't just hide behind like I think it's like some boxes or something like that in the middle of the area. Yeah, no. I I was up top and I was hiding behind a fence and I forget that this is like a PS4 game and I tried to shoot something between the someone between the fence and it just completely whiffed and it alerted everyone once I got in there. And I was like, well, that was a great decision, but I just put traps down and then kind of ran behind buildings and he killed himself like the big guy. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, he killed himself. He said. Yeah, because I just put traps down and like um, yeah, just got out of his. Yeah, I got out of his line of sight, so he just kept following me. Okay, yeah, I mean, I just, I just kept, I just basically played ring around the rosy with him and hit him with the fire arrows, and that's it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, once the area is clear, you can uh, talk to Nissan, and he's like, "Oh, I thought Ken did forgot about me," and he shows you the way out, which is an alternate way out. Like, I guess just in case you didn't kill everybody. There's this way out, and he does the same thing Aloy does. He jumps off the side, and then he throws the rope. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's, that's how they that's how they rappel down in, in in this world. But uh, you know, once you get to the bottom, um, you know, he you talk to him, and he says the supplies were safely hidden, so he's going to still get them to Sunfall. And Aloy asks that he goes back to Mer- when, when he goes back to Meridian that he talks to Ravon and tells him what's going on. And uh, he thinks that he will help him. Nassan really, he didn't really want to because I guess he doesn't want to talk to. I guess this guy is considered a noble. I mean, he's, I guess he's rich enough to live on the Mesa in Meridian. So he didn't want to talk to him. But he said because of, you know, basically because of everything Aloy did, he would. And when you do finally go to Meridian to close up the quest, you talk to Ravon. He says, you know, a man named Nassan came to me and we came to an arrangement that he thinks many in Sunfall will benefit from. You know, and that that's that's pretty much it. So it was just a talking to him is just a final thing to get the quest closed up. So Kendiv, I'm assuming he got he got he got the sword back to him. I think he does say that Kendiv get the sword back from him. No, he doesn't necessarily say that Kendiv does, but I think he does. Because other than that, he probably still would have been upset about it. But right. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's that's robbing the rich. That quest, I mean, I don't know, that quest, it feels longer when you're actually doing it than when than, than, than talking about it, to be honest with you. It was so long because you have to go to so many places. And at the time when I picked it up, I didn't have those places open yet. I still had to travel to them. So I just felt like I held on to this quest for like days. A long so time. so long. Yeah. There is a 10 hour difference from the time I started from the, than the time I finished it. I will yeah. admit that. <laughs> Yeah, cause I wasn't just going to go back to Meridian just to talk to the sun, you know. I did do that, but to get to the actual camp site or whatever, like that took a bit to get to. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So uh, let's talk Honor of the Fallen, which is another side quest you get in Meridian. And there's a, there's a sun priest named Naman, and he could use your help. Your Nora. I'm the mournful Naman. My apologies that we meet like this. Like this? In grief, you hold yours close, like a talisman. Wait, forgive me. You didn't come for reparations? Someone you lost to the Sunring? Oh, no. I know about the Red Raids, but the Karja owe me nothing. I see. Well, I could use the help of a strong-willed outlander then I would owe you very much indeed. 
These people seek to honor their loved, their lost, with their own voices, not mouthing Karja rituals to Karja stone. But there are obstacles, and while Meridian holds its breath for any disturbance, these robes only tie my hands. What kind of obstacles? The first pilgrim is an Asaram who seeks to visit the Shrine of Kings on the road to the city. He waits there now, forbidden to enter by an old sun priest who suffer no heathen. This Utaro lost her companion on the edge of the jewel, at a pool where snap moths gather. The shrine was built there to ward off the machines, and its effectiveness leaves much to be desired. And the Manuk would paint a mark on the sun's climb, a call to the machine spirits, I understand. They need no beckoning. Glindhawks perched there, drawn to the spires shining. So clear the machines out of two shrines and move a priest out of the other. All I can ask for is your charity and that their stories are heard. Naman, rituals and prayers can't bring back those who are lost. No, but it can help those who grieve to find themselves. It can lend them strength and hope, like a new sunrise. I didn't think your priesthood would ask outsiders for help. If only the sun would set on our pride. Until this is done, I am no sun priest. To wear a red robe was an aspiration. I aspired. Now our hoods make us blind. We whisper reconciliation, but forget how the old king's priests sang the words and blessed the killing. The killing? You mean the Red Raids? Yes. And the sacrifices that came after. Why did the priests go along with all that bloodshed? Sometimes we Karja are more concerned with what is tradition than what is right. Huh. Maybe the Karja and Nora aren't so different. I'll do what I can to help those in mourning. To honor their memories is to honor us all. So at first he thinks that Aloy is there for reparations because, you know, she's a Nora. And, you know, which actually actually surprised me anyway because the Nora don't leave Nora land. So I was I would have expected an even bigger surprise. But maybe he saw, because remember the guys from the Hunter's Lodge in Nora lands, they were Nora that made it over to Meridian. You know, right. so maybe he saw them, but uh, yeah, he's, you know, oh, you're here for reparations. And she's like, no, the Karja don't owe me anything. And then he immediately asks her for a favor. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, you're not here for reparations. Can you help me out? Um, so he says he wants her to help some pilgrims reach the shrines they wish to pray at. And there's one shrine that a priest won't, uh, he won't let Asram enter a temple. Uh, there's another shrine that snap moths have gotten too close to, so it's dangerous. And then there's another shrine surrounded by glint hawks. Yeah, so you know when you talk to him, you know, do you really see that the the old sun priest blessing the red raids, you know that and the sacrifices that weighs on him, and he's trying to reconcile to make sure by making sure everybody gets treated fairly. And you know he says that you know sometimes the sun priest they just care more about tradition than doing what's right. And uh, he does mention that his brother was a sun priest and he was killed for speaking against the mad sun king. Cause we know if you weren't down with the raids, they not, you know, or down with the raids or down with what was happening at sunfall, the sacrifices, they'd make you the sacrifice. So his brother was one of those victims. Um, and uh, you know, Naman, he wasn't a sun priest when the mad king was around. He became one after his brother was killed, which uh, it says a lot because the hands are. This, they, they, he said that the robes are actually handed down from priest to priest. I'm like, wow, how'd you get those robes cleaned up? Yeah, I was gonna say that too. 
Maybe, maybe he wasn't, maybe he didn't wear his robes when he got sacrificed. Maybe, maybe he, you know, yeah, if it's something that could if help it's him tradition, out a little bit. Yeah, if it's tradition, you know, I feel like they would have taken it off first. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, it was kind of disrespectful to put your sun priest into the actual, <laughs> into the sun ring for sacrifices, so. But that's how they rolled. Uh, but, um. Yeah, I mean, after that, you have to you have to go to three different locations. So this quest kind of sits around a little bit, too, it feels like. This is another one of those quests that kind of just sits around until you go from place to place, unless you just straight up do it directly. But the way this, these side quests kind of work in these games, like, you, you know, they'll put other, they'll, they'll put the side quests or where you need to go for the side quests around where other main quests are. Right. Usually, usually. Uh, I would say that's that's true for everything except the jewel, like the jewel and maybe stuff closer to the middle of the map. Like some places like you're just going to have to go and discover yourself. <laughs> but this one, you definitely you'll definitely if, if you just wait and hold on to it, you'll you'll run into those areas. But if the first one I did was killing the snap maws at that one shrine. I mean, that's a pretty standard affair. There's nothing special about that at all. Yeah, just I think- go there. Yeah. I think that's the same one. I feel like I was just exploring the area. So, yeah, I think that that was the same first one that I went to. Yeah. So, like, I, I actually killed two birds at one stone because there's another errand called Supply and Demand where you need to get a snap maw lens or a long leg lens. And boom, I just, bam, I got, I got a snap maw lens here and also cleared the shrine because there's only two snap maws there. There's only two. So uh, you clear the shrine, and then after you clear the shrine, you meet Rhea, who's in Utaru, which is a, a, a that's that's a tribe from the Forbidden West. So I'm quite certain we're gonna see her tribe a bit more in the next game. Actually, some of the art I've seen, I believe, like uh, they've shown some Utaru Utaru in the artwork. So um. And she tells you about, like, you know, what happened. Like, so she fled during the liberation. I think when we talked about the liberation glyph, it said they opened up the pits for the slaves because since she was a, she was from a tribe, a different tribe, she was definitely one of the people who probably had gotten captured. So, uh, you know, she, when they opened up those pits, her and her friend fled and she thought her friend was behind her the entire time. And as they went through the lake, that's when she lost her friend, like her friend, like, uh, she, I, I don't think they specify what happened to her, but either fell in and drowned or she died near that lake. And uh, Rhea, she wanted to come there to recover the bracelet from her friend uh, that her friend dropped. And uh, the, the bracelet has like seeds and stuff on it. And she wants to plant the seeds so the memory of her friend lives on. You know, but that was like two years ago. I mean, that's some pretty wishful thinking that that bracelet's still going to be there. Right. <laughs> you know. But it was. I think she found it. I think she found. I think she. And when she's talking to you, she finds it. Is that the reaction that she gave? I was so confused at that last part when her reaction just became like. Yeah, when she was like, "Oh, I see my friend." I'm like, "Uh oh." Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because she said there her bracelet, and I thought she was behind me, but there's only my reflection. I guess maybe she saw the bracelet and had like an illusion that her friend was there, but. When it happened, I was really confused. Like, were you the friend that died? Like, what is happening? Yeah, it was it was a very weird reaction, to be perfectly honest with you. So I don't blame you. I, I completely understand that. <laughs> so, but 
That was the first one. The second one's not too far from that. It's actually not too far from Meridian, period. But the actually, none of these are too far from Meridian, let's be real. Uh, but this one is a little different. This one's on top of a mesa that's close to Meridian. And it's a pretty confined space where you have to fight these three Glint Hawks. And anytime you have to fight Glint Hawks in a confined space, it's a bit of a pain. Because you have three Glint Hawks. They do that bombing run thing with the, with the frost. Mm-hmm. And they also do the diving thing. It is frust- it, it can be frustrating and annoying. but And it's also pretty easy to fall off. There are no guardrails up there. <laughs> so you can definitely fall off. And if you fall off that far, you will fall to your death. I had a harder time climbing up, actually. Really? Yeah, because there's one spot. And I actually, there's a metal flower up here. So I tried to go up there before I went to Meridian because I was like, oh, that metal flower is not that far. Let me go get it. And there's one part where you have to jump kind of to the right. Yeah. Where like the path breaks. And I just jumped straight. And I died. But both times. So the first time I did it and I died, I was like, I'll get this later. And the second time I did it, I'm like, this is the same thing I did last time. But I made it. It was fine. They just respawned you like right there. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And the Glint Hawks yeah. were fine. I I just uh, used Terror Blast arrows on their chest it makes their thing pop they fall on the ground and i do a critical hit and they're dead so glint hawks are like really easy for me to fight at this point oh well that's nice (laughs) (laughs) no you know i get that like once you have the system down they're definitely not too difficult i just find them to be a pain in enclosed areas yeah you know especially when they do the frost bombing run because you could be working on one and get one down, and then you just have another one just come through and do, the, do, do like the frost, or they dive down on you, or something like that. That's why there's always three of them together, and they're never by themselves. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, once you clear the Glen Hawks, the Banuk Pilgrim shows up, and uh, you know his motivation was he wanted to create a monument to preserve the memory of Banuk Shaman that died at the hands of Karja. And uh, the knowledge that the Karja bled from them. So apparently while they were captured, the Karja forced them to give them some of the of their knowledge, you know, so. But and you're right. There is a metal flower. up there. I did get that one after like right after I was done. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, the one that probably is the most different is the. Uh, the Pilgrim at the Shrine of Kings, I believe it's called. And the Shrine of Kings is actually right outside Meridian. It's actually on that path that takes you from, like, the low ground to the high ground if you are on the low ground trying to get to Meridian. And uh, the closer you get to it, there's no fighting here. Well, no fighting with fists, just fighting with words. Um, you can hear an Os- the Asaram workers talking to the Sun Priests, and they're saying the Asaram slaves built this monument, and they deserve to be able to get in. And the Asaram Pilgrim is actually outside. He says the Sun Priest won't let him in. And uh, he wants to, he wants to uh, get in there because his lover built the monument. And then they put him in the sun ring for a show. So his boyfriend or husband, they don't really specify, uh, is the one who built it to the Sun King. And then they basically just put him in a sun ring and, and killed him. It was like uh, his so greatest he, life work is what he said about it. Yeah. Uh, it feels weird to me that they, d- they decided to use the word lover here because nobody says that. 
Nobody right. says, nobody introduces their significant other or anybody they care about as their <laughs> lover. Okay. I don't meet new people and say, oh, <laughs> hey, I'm Jared and this is my lover. <laughs> you know, talking about my wife. <laughs> I don't do that. I guess. It, I guess. It, yeah. At that time, I guess I, I wasn't too shocked about it. I guess depending on their situation, maybe they well, weren't not, open like, about their relationship. But like, yeah, I guess that's. You'd still be his boyfriend even if they weren't open about <laughs> their relationship. You know, a boyfriend, husband, something. Like, it yeah. just feels weird to say lover because it's just. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're in a fantasy world. They're saying lots of words that people don't use, but like this is just in, in like no who has that in their vernacular, you know. You know, the last time I really heard that used is when I like watched The Professional. You ever see that movie, The The Professional? No. It was like young Natalie Portman, and yes. uh, oh my god, yeah. Wait, so, Leon the Professional? Leon the Professional, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. That part where she's talking to the to the guy in the hotel, or the I guess uh, is that yeah, it's a hotel, and she's she's like, oh, that's not my father, that's my lover, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm thinking about. Maybe that's why it's weird to me. That whole that whole scene was supposed to be weird like that, right? You know. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Aloy questions why he would want to see a statue of the Sun King, uh, but. He, you know, he says he wants to see the work of, you know, the person he loved. That's what that's what he wants to see, uh, because it, it, well, they said it's a statue of the Sun King, but it's not mm-hmm. actually a statue of the Sun King. It's a monument built in honor of the Sun King, to my knowledge. And so I didn't even I mean, look I, at it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's not a statue of the Sun King himself. I'm, I think it's just a monument for the, uh, like for, you know, for the Sun King. And so, I mean, that's a good question. Like, you know, this is, a, this is a monument to the person that killed, you know, the person you loved. Why would you want to see it? And she, he just wants to see his work. He says that his work was his soul. That's why he, he wants to see it. So, uh, you do go talk to the sun priest, and he's not the, the nicest person. He shouts at me. Turn away, child. The abiding Jahaman wishes to be alone in his retreat. If you want to be alone, go someplace else. Others want to pray here. Defile it, you mean? Yet another debasement of what was once pure. Truly, our tribe has lost the light. Our king is false, our temple is corrupt, and our soldiers weak. The sun hastens across the sky for shame. So the Karja have become impure? What does that even mean? Is Meridian not meant for those who built it, who made it great? It was pure before outlander squatters took it over. You mean Meridian was pure when the outsiders were in cages or dying in your arena? The sun is pure, child. It is not our place to question its divine will, only to act upon it. I thought Avad taking the throne was the sun's will. The boy dishonored his father, dishonored us all. To kill the sun king, what shadow? What twilight time he brought upon us. And how many more would the mad Sun King have killed if Avad hadn't stopped him? The sun called for blood. There was no choice but to obey. You called the temple corrupt, but aren't you one of its priests? They call themselves sun priests, but they have no authority. Youths and sycophants all. 
Yet those who gave their whole lives to the sun's service are shamed and ignored. So that's what this is. A tantrum? A cry for attention? You know nothing of our rights, and yet you dare to insult me. Why do you think your army is weak? Because you're not at war with everyone? A Karja throne relying on forged dirt mercenaries? Preposterous! The so-called liberation was nothing but a purge. Our most blessed warriors, chased out of the city, exiled to Sunfall and the Forbidden West. Our tribe is torn. The ones who walked in light now go by shadow. And yet everyone but you seems happy they're gone. I'm done arguing with you. Stay or go, but I won't allow you to keep others away. I am here by the will of the sun. You don't believe in the throne, the priesthood, the army, or the city, so I guess you have no authority here. Uh, I have the authority of the sun! Then call it for help. No one else will listen. There'll be a reckoning. You'll back away from it. So, uh, first of all, the priest mentions himself in the third person. You know, we got a boss situation going on here, but at least boss was able to redeem himself toward the end there, right? Right. But so you know this guy's going to be a jerk. And, uh, you know, honestly, like, based on his his thought processes and, like, like, the way he thinks about things, like, how has this guy not been cast out? How is this not one of the people that want the sunfall? Because he doesn't think of Odd as the true king. He says he dishonored all of the cards by killing the sun king. He thinks that Meridian is impure. Says that Outlander squatters took it over. He thinks the temple is corrupt. He says new sun kings, the new sun priests don't have authority. Says they that they let uh, those who gave their lives to the sun service, uh, you know, people ignore them. Uh, he's talking about himself. Uh, and Aloy says he's having a tantrum, which he is. He thinks the, ar- the army is weak because Asa and are part of it. He is a clear supporter of what the Mad Sun King did. He's a, he's a Karja-like supremist. You know, supremacist. Sorry. Right. <laughs> That's a supremacist. He's a Karja supremacist. I, I think that he didn't... I think he's a coward and will not go with the other because maybe he was insufferable and they didn't like him, so they didn't bring him along. <laughs> um, or maybe he just missed his chance and there's no way he's going now who would help get him there and would they even accept him i think he's he's just too scared right maybe like maybe i don't know i i, w- I would say he's a coward and in, in front of a vod he won't say that stuff right <laughs> you know. that too that's all the thing so he actually thinks he's doing the right thing by keeping non-carjo away from the statue and when he always had enough of the conversation uh, she tells him that he she won't let him keep others away from it so you got a flashpoint you could say you're a coward you could say change has already happened, or you could say hey, you have no authority here. So what did you go with? So this is the first time I picked the tough option because I hated this guy so much. I called him a coward. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How's that um, go? So she was like, uh, you believe in the old regime, but not enough to die for it or be exiled. That's some conviction. Um, then he calls her a heathen, which is is funny. Um, and then she's like, stop me from bringing the Azeram in. And he's like, I can't. And she's like, yeah, I thought so. And he's like, there will be reckoning. And she said, I've, you'll back away from it. <laughs> yes, that, that is what he, she says right at the very end. I think of the, uh, the other ones, too. But I chose okay. you have no authority here. That's what I chose. 
you have no authority. And she says that, you know, he doesn't, since he doesn't believe in the throne, he doesn't believe in the priest, he doesn't believe in the city, that he actually has no authority. And he says he has the authority of the son. And then she tells him to call for it because nobody, call for it to help, for help, because nobody else is going to help him. That's what she says. Uh, you know, and he's, he backs off. You know, the once the, and he says the same thing, like there's going to be a reckoning and you're going to back away from it. So once the priest and the guards leave the Asram head inside, and the monument's actually defaced. And the pilgrim, the, the guy you talked to before, he's actually, he's upset by this, that the monument has been defaced because obviously it's, a, it's, it's, it's guy's work. So, you know, it was like, well, they defaced it because of what it stood for. And, you know, he says that, you know, they defaced things that slaves like him died for and says the, the cards are short-sighted. And he thanks you for your help. So that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun quest i did like being mean to that guy i like that you're mean to him no matter what answer well maybe the compassionate answer you're not as mean but probably a little mean probably a little bit so you go back to meridian and talk to naman and he is at the temple he's actually moved locations now so you've come back to the temple i was invited back the priests wanted to hear what I had to say about reconciliation with the other tribes. They're listening. At least they've begun to listen. There's a distance between ears and deeds. Because of what we did? What you did. It was for the mourners. I think it helped them. You set them on the path. You can't know what their journeys hold. Such is the priest's lot. Perhaps a red robe would suit you. <laughs> Not me. Besides, your temple doesn't even take women. We would be richer if we did. Go in light, my friend, and let the sun cast your way. Thank you, Naman. Where I'm going, I could probably use all the light I can get. So the priest actually invited him back to the temple after hearing about what Aloy did, because, you know, word travels fast. And they wanted to hear more about reconciliation, but he says you know, there's, there's a distance between listening and, and, and doing things, right? And he thanks you and, you know, you go on your way. And that's the end of that quest. You know, so those two, like, I don't like you're talking about them. They don't feel that long, but you're doing them and they feel long because they're all over the place. Yeah. Reading the notes on that one, though, I'm just like, wow, that that was a lot because it wasn't just a lot of going all over the place. Once you got to a place, then you had a decent amount of dialogue, especially that last one, because there was no fighting involved. So. They all took a really long time. Yeah, they they did. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think the side quests do get you to spread out a little bit, um, you know, and run you into other side quests <laughs> as well. So they do get you to spread out a little bit and go to different places. So I mean, they 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 do their thing. Plus, I mean, these side quests are really kind of fleshing out the world, mm-hmm. you know. So, because we have so many storylines that are going on in this game. Obviously, we have Aloy's main storylines at this point. We have two storylines to deal with with Aloy, plus all the stuff that happened before. We're learning about the history of the Nora, the history of the Karj, or the history of the Asaram. So, you know, if, if you really want to be involved or get kind of dive deep into the world, these, these side quests are good for that. But that's we're gonna that's where we're gonna end on this episode. In the next episode, we're gonna do some more Meridian side quests, and then we're gonna actually get back on track with Aaron and Avad, and uh, 
looking for Ursa because she might be alive. So, Christy, what's up? How you feeling? What's going on? There's so many side quests. Like, <laughs> I didn't expect once you got to Meridian. So they obviously have like side quests and errands like as you're on your way and you're kind of picking them up. But like Meridian is just the place for side quests. And I don't want to say it was overwhelming. It was just a lot. So I definitely had to split up side quests with main story. But it does give you a big insight on what the world is like and how the different tribes interact with each other um, and how other people interact with each other. So, um, yeah, it's really it's really cool how in-depth they went with the lore and everything about this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I do appreciate that you do get to dive into the lore without having to just read all about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, listening to it's not too bad, but reading yeah. about it like is like if you got to do the whole thing reading, at least it's in game. It could be worse. It could be Destiny. They could just tell you to go to this website to read about the lore of this game. So, Right. I was thinking of Dark Souls where like all of the lore is online somewhere, but like not in the game. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, th- I, th- I thought Destiny was the biggest offender, to be honest with you, because you no, unlock sure. the lore. You unlock the lore in the game, and then you got to go to the website. I could be wrong about Dark Souls. I just remember people going like, yeah, you had to read the lore online or watch videos, but I don't play those games. That's a a discussion Uh, for another day. That is. That is. Yeah. But so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and close this one up. I'd like to thank everybody for listening again. Uh, if you want to follow what's going on with this show and the Mash Button Network, you can do so on twitter.com slash the Mash Network. Uh, Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at S'mores Pop Tart on Twitter and Twitch. I also host a Final Fantasy 14 podcast called Wondrous Tales. This bi weekly podcast comes out every other Wednesday. We talk about 14 content, whether that be the MSQ. See, I said it there. Um, that's uh-huh. where it goes. Um, <laughs> Or just side content. We talk about it all. So come hang out with us. All right. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at Josh Tradamus. You can also find me on our Twitch channel, Twitch TV slash mash those buttons. When I do actually stream, uh, we do have a discord community. Like I said earlier at mash.gg slash discord. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions on the show, on the games. So join us there on Discord. Uh, you know, we love for you to reach out and contact us. So you can do that with the Discord, like I said, or you can reach out on Twitter, or you can actually reach out to us via email, which is that which is contact at mash.gg. If you enjoy the show, and you want to help us out. One of the ways to do that is to share the show with others and to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And uh, if you want to take a support a bit further, we do have uh, a Patreon. We have a Teespring store. We could buy merch. We have a Twitch subscriptions at twitch.tv slash matches buttons. We'll bundle affiliate links and also one time PayPal donation. You can see all that stuff at mtb.gg slash support. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about mash those buttons. And with that one, we're done with this episode. Thank you very much. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya.
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash buttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash themashnetwork, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 